Hey, Nerd Talk Nation. This is your host, Jordan Halstead, and welcome to Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead. I've got back with me again this week, Micah and Alicia. Thank you guys for joining me on another Harry Potter episode. Woohoo! Yeah, where the debate continues. Muggle or not muggle? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say not muggle this week. I think that I'm, ju- <laughs> I'm going to jump sides. I'm going to, I, you, you looked at me last week and I'm like, eh, I don't know. I think, I think muggle is the wrong answer. The whole point is to keep you guessing. Yeah. So maybe next week I'll jump back. <laughs> so we, uh, we're, we're talking chamber of secrets this week. And, you know, last week we talked a lot about kind of the introduction and Sorcerer's Stone was this great starting point And that first season, that pilot kind of feel, do you think that the Chamber of Secrets was a good follow-up or a great follow-up to the Sorcerer's Stone? I mean, I think it was a good follow-up. I think that what we see throughout the books and through the movies is we have to continue building. So you, you don't have to go through as much of the history of like, what are all the Hogwarts houses? What is Quidditch? You know, it's it's building on those that foundation so you don't have to mm-hmm. go through the basics again um, and just kind of continuing to build the story to get to where we need to by the time we get to the end of book seven. Um, I think they did a great job weaving some new things in there. So we're starting to see things like the flying car, um, the Whomping Willow, even though we don't know that's what it is yet. But we start seeing some more some more of the magical things being introduced. So I, I thought it was a great second second start. Micah, what about you? Well, before he gets into that, I want to I want to play off something you said really quick. So you said just that whole like you don't have to bring you don't have to retell history or anything. Mm-hmm. Do you think when she wrote these books, because it's at school, she gave the school environment of I'm excited to get back and get a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Do you think that like because I, I mean I watched these as they were coming out roughly when I was in elementary late. Uh, or late elementary, early junior high time frame, um, and just knowing that, hey, like, I'm excited to get back to Hogwarts. Do you think that yeah. maybe that helps kind of that idea of, like, when she went back to each book, she's like, I get to go back to Hogwarts. And, yeah. like, that excitement brought it to us. Well, and I think, too, like, she brought that into Harry's character. Like, you yes. see Harry, again, we talk about, like, we talked about last week, last week about how he he kind of, he had a rough upgrade bringing you. We'll, we'll probably talk more about the Dursleys in this episode the Dursleys. the Dursleys they're terrible but like you start I don't know it for him he said I think even from the first for the first book like when they were like oh well are you gonna be are you ready to go home and he was like I'm not going home like Hogwarts for him was his home, was home. and so yeah. for him going back there it was even more I mean you know most of the time you get excited about going back to school with the big you know I guess depending on where you are in your in your stage of life but like for him he was going back home like being with the Dursleys over the summer was probably torturous so for him that excitement you definitely felt that in the books yeah all right sorry about that Micah I just really wanted to hop on that while I was thinking about it what was your thought to the sequel of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? Um, so yeah, I I mentioned last week that I have it's been a long time since I read the books. However, I have never seen the movies, and so we took a couple of days and watched these movies back to back. And I, I will probably say I liked them both for various reasons. However, I liked the Chamber of Secrets more than I liked the Sorcerer's Stone. And the reason being, you know, like, that's not a popular opinion. Well, 
and it's fine. And no, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, I love when we come in and have like those. Hey, I like. Okay, I like Morbius. Like, we we all know we all like to make fun of that one. Yeah, exactly, right there. But I love that we can come into Nerd Talk and say, "Hey, I liked this, and here's why." So, yeah. so tell me, why did you why did you like this film? Well, I like Age of Ultron. <laughs> I That's too. true. Okay, it's it's becoming a more liked film. I, am I gonna have to wait ten, almost ten years before Morbius gets any love? Maybe I've yet to watch that it. Again, so maybe one day I'll watch it. Maybe I won't. Who knows? Anyway, I and here's why, right? Like I think Sorcerer's Stone was a great, great starting point. But we also talked in last week's episode about how we we viewed the Sorcerer's Stone, not the book, but the movie as a pilot, right? Because it was the first, and it was the first of its kind. And um, I felt like the reason I like Chamber of Secrets more is because the story was established. Hogwarts was established. The school was established. Things were like, for me, I like established uh, systems in place, you know, routines, things like that. And so like to see, uh, see the kids a little bit older to see the familiarity. Yes, to see how they were going to get back to Hogwarts, to see what they were going to do with the story and what they were going to go and where they were going to go from where they left off. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we we talk about that in other franchises like Star Wars and Marvel. Like, where are they going to pick up after, you know, Infinity War? Where are they going to pick up after Avengers Endgame? Where are they going to pick up after certain series? Or, or even how are they going to adjust when a character's actor or actress dies? Within mm-hmm. the series. Yes. Yeah. So... Uh, it was going to, you know, for those who have read the books and you guys have both read the books and um, seen the movies both alike. uh, It it was interesting for me to see where they picked up post Sorcerer's Stone going into the Chamber of Secrets. So um, that's why I'm saying that I liked Chamber of Secrets better than Sorcerer's Stone. Mm -hmm. I think the Sorcerer's Stone is a better film, but I like certain aspects of Chamber of Secrets better because they're older, right? Yeah. They're more yeah. mature, yeah. Now, you know. Well, and and like we were talking about, uh, you had said that some of the problems that you had with Sorcerer's Stone was because of the immaturity of their acting, and because mm-hmm. they were so young, and and that these, I mean, this was first time acting for all these kids, and now they're on round two. Yeah, for sure. And and, and then you have kids like uh, uh, Rupert Grant who played Ron Weasley, who was in a couple other movies, also in between. So like he just he started getting into a couple things and then he ends up years and years later in a Ed Sheeran music video as a lookalike. Thank you. <laughs> hashtag Lego House. Um, so I just I, I think that, that that's a great point is that you're continuing, you're familiar, but there's still pieces that you're like, you know, there's that nostalgia of the original one, but there's still pieces that it built off of. I, I completely agree there. Also, um, quickly, like. You know, yeah. we don't have to like go into this this deep dive of this, but uh Jason Isaacs do oh, yeah. an amazing villain and whatever he's in. At yeah. least I remember having Freaking that conversation. Fantastic. Right? Like the Patriot with Mel Gibson is one of my all-time oh, yeah. favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And him is the like when he when Mel Gibson finally gets to him at the end of the movie, he's like, You're right, my sons were better men. Like he was like you you wanted him to get his that entire mm-hmm. movie. But like he's just a killer villain in every movie he's in. Yeah, I think that him playing because he played Malfoy's dad, right? I just want to make sure I've got the Lucia, right guy. Yeah, yeah, yep. he played Lucius Malfoy. I think that when you can get someone 
that you love to hate the villain. Uh-huh. That's where it stands out. And right. I just sat back. I'm like, man, like this was awesome. Yeah. So uh there's this new character that gets introduced in this film, and his name is Arthur Weasley. Mm-hmm. And so for the for the we're gonna say the movie, there is a line that I want you guys to answer this. It's kind of our, our joke prompt to this, but he asks a very specific and very intriguing question. What is the function of a rubber duck? <laughs> I want you guys to answer that because that line killed me when, when he just stitched, just like just deadpans Harry. And he's like, what is the function of a rubber duck? Like, how do you answer something like that? And like, I, I would lose it on on camera if if someone's like filming me and they're like asking that question. Yeah. So so you don't actually have to answer that, but like, what did you think about that character being brought in? Like that, hey, this is where the Weasleys all come from, and then you're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And like like, what did you think about uh, oh, what was her name? Mama Weasley. Wow. Um, wow. Uh, Molly. Uh, so Arthur and Molly. What do you guys think of, of mom and dad Weasley? I love how eccentric Molly is. She's just, I don't know. Like she, she's, she's the mama bear. Like you just want to love her. I love Arthur's enthusiasm, honestly, because you, if you think about it perspective, if I were somebody who was discovering that the wizard world was a thing, I would be just as enthusiastic to ask him those type of questions that he's asking to say, what is the function of a rubber duck? I mean, like those are the kind of things that I would be enthusiastic to learn because you don't know that it doesn't really have a purpose. Like it's just a toy. Yeah. You, you just know that somebody enchanted one and you have no idea what this is because it right. doesn't affect your world. Right. Right. The only reason you know about it is because you're supposed to unenchant it and you're like, okay, I've, I've done the magic side. Now right. what does this do? Right. And like him having an entire like shed full of muggle artifacts as he calls it. i'm like dude it's just a junk closet yeah but i do i do love his enthusiasm because if you think oh, about yeah. it like that's how i would be if i learned that something like this was a thing like he's just he's very interested in learning like and it's and, genuine and it's, huh it's genuine yeah, it's not yeah. it's not fake at all mm-hmm. like the 100 no, percent genuine and i think that weasley the entire weasley clan is genuine all the way mm-hmm. around um, even yeah. even Percy, who is genuinely a jerk, I think they're still genuine people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Micah, what do you think? What do you think about Arthur and, and Molly? I thought it was funny, like, you know, he he was very much like, just do whatever you want. You know, like, live your life. And, you know, like, yes, there may be consequences, but we'll figure it out as we go. And the mom- even at the dad, too, like, he's like, you drove the car all the way to Surrey? How was it? How, How was, was it? it? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was about to hit that point. No. Well, that's what I well, was getting at before you all just nerded out on me, but it's fine. Uh, well, it's called nerd talk for a reason. Well, I, I just want my fair share. I just want I just what's, want coming, what's to coming to me. Um, <laughs> I love that because my when, like I said last week, my mom, she'd never seen them. She didn't pre-screen them before. We watched them together. And my mom died. She's like, that is the epitome of a dad right mm-hmm. there. That, that is every dad right there. Just the whole, how was it? Like just getting <laughs> so excited 
that my boys went and did something stupid, but they're fine. Like, like yeah. what's the point of getting mad when everything's fine? They're not hurt. No permanent damage was done. And, and the people who they did the damage to the property, like they're not going to tell anybody because they're going to be like, Oh, a flying car. And then sound crazy when yeah. those are the, the most normal people on earth. Like that's what they want to be. That's what, what the, the writing says. So. So as I was saying, um, the dad, you know, is just very much like <laughs> he, you did that great. You know, like he, he encourages it. However, you know, the mom is like, why would you do that? What are you doing? And she's very much like the structure, the the backbone behind the family, right? And yes. so, yes. like Alicia was saying earlier, she very much, um, you know, wants them to behave and wants them to to, to live uh, according to the rules of the house. And, you know, she's very much about her structure. And then she wants her husband, you know, to... to to react in a different manner but like like you said earlier jordan like <laughs> the dad's like go for it yeah he did what like and like one of my favorite parts of that whole movie is when they go get harry from his his aunt and uncle's house and like they're pulling uh the bars so he's trying to keep harry in there and he he he's throwing the suitcase in the trunk and he's throwing the owl in the back seat and he's trying to get in the car and his his crazy uncle's grabbing him by the ankles and then uh, Ron's trying to drive the car away and then the gate and everything just flop on the, on the ground. And he ends up like flipping back first onto the bush into the front yard. And it's just classic. I thought it was great. So. What did you think of when they're flying the car and the car plays, not just a portion into like getting them to school, but running into the Whomping Willow and then like kind of saving them in the, in the forest what did you guys think of that? I I couldn't help but think of Back to the Future too. Okay, how so? Just because of the DeLorean and it fly the flying DeLorean. Oh, when it when the flying DeLorean. Okay. Then the second one they introduce it flying. Well, I mean they well at the end of the first one versus you know, but they really dive into that in the second version of Back or Back to the Future too. I couldn't. Do you help think, think that maybe that influenced J.K. Rowling's writings? It could have. Um, you know, I don't have her on speed dial, so I can't ask her. Um, but shame on you. Well, you know, there's probably a lot. She's probably like hiding somewhere, like writing something crazy for the next generation. Uh, but I think, you know, the two things that I enjoyed with that was a, it reminded me of back to future, but B, um, you know, you mentioned it's saving them, but like, I thought it was crazy when they, they end up right in front of the Hogwarts express. Oh yeah. Like, right on the tracks and we're, they're like ah they're like freaking out and stuff like i thought that was really cool well i love um, that hedwig even ah! like the eyes get real big and like like there's just that animated that magical sense that comes to this mm-hmm. like it's not like like my dog when when we had a dog like my dog didn't care my dog chewed up yeah you wouldn't everything. get those facial expressions would, yeah you're not gonna get that kind of stuff there yeah. but then to turn around and get it from like the 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 owls and from the rats and from the cats and like seeing mm-hmm. human pieces and human elements to non-humans. Like, I love that. I thought that was just ingenious. Yeah. And I agree. Like I it definitely sent back to the future vibes with the, with the car. I love at the end when, when the car essentially does rescue them from, from the spiders um, where Ron's like, it looks like it looks wild. Like it, 
it had been in the wild for pretty much the entire school year. I mean, it saved them in the end. It went feral. It went fa- exactly. It, it absolutely went feral, and it's it's funny to think because it doesn't really give you that impression when they first when they first introduced the the it's an enchanted car. You don't think it's going to have like a personality. Oh yeah, the fact that it did have a personality, I think, is what got me because mm-hmm. I'm like, they're just driving a car, and then they hit the Whomping Willow and it feels like it comes alive at that point. Mm-hmm. Like there, there was no indication that, Hey, it's alive. So yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was different. And I, I thought that that was just a really cool piece and a, and a fun touch that comes into it. Now, mm-hmm. this is the, the first time that we meet uh, Jenny in a longer sense. And we start to see how she gets used as a pawn um, in a bigger story piece. And it's no longer, about Harry in his school year. Like, I feel like Sorcerer's Stone was very school year focused and, and introducing this immaculate world that we're going to, I think it set the foundation so that way we can start to build the story. Do you think and, they did that too soon? And what I mean by that is they really established it in Sorcerer's Stone, but then in the second one, they got into the meat of the story rather than focusing on the school before they learned too much about what they were learning in school. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. But, then, um, but do you think that they they went too quickly into the story versus focusing on school too, or running parallel with those two things? So I think that the reason that we we hit that point. Um, so fun fact here: J.K. Rowling actually wrote the fourth book first, and then she went backwards. So she did four, three, two, one. So she she started with Goblet of Fire, and I think what happened was she was already immersed in this world. And she knew where she was going. She already had everything plotted out. She knew, hey, I just have to make minor adjustments here and there. So that way it makes more sense going through and I can reread and I can do all this. But I think the damage was done in the fact that, okay, I have to build this story, but I also have to get to the meat. So that way books three and four make sense so that I don't have to completely rewrite, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And, and I, I think, think that, that, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Well, and I think that, I think throughout the movies, knowing where where they started and where the story ends, I also think they did a good job with each of the books slash movies where they sprinkle in the school part. Like you see, so you see, you still see them learning. You, you see them learning new spells as we go on. You see them going to different classes, learning how to transfigure, learning all of these different skills that they're going to need to to be in their world. I think they did a good job at. Just sprinkling well, things here and then. And you see some overlap, but you see new I things. think that the story of Tom Riddle mm-hmm. and that he is a young version of Voldemort and he is the main focus and the main problem and that it the, the end of the school year climaxes to that point. Mm-hmm. But that through the whole year, you still have your school year problems. You've got this new idiot professor, Gilderoy Lockhart, which we'll get to in a minute. Um where you have issues with him, you have issues with, um, with McGonagall being like, why is it always you guys when it, when someone's yeah. like, you have that mentality, you have more snake problems, you have more of all these different characters that are giving you fits. And it's like, well, I don't think that you needed the story as much. Cause I think it's there. I think that you just have to really understand and I, I think that the movies, this movie specifically, did not translate the book as well. Yeah. Because I, w- I would argue this is one of the better books. Um, mm-hmm. 
I want I would not say it's the best. I I'm gonna go ahead and throw my hat in the ring on this one and and call out that Order of the Phoenix is the best book. I would I would dare to say that. Um, and it's, I, it's not always a. I think I'll agree with you on that one. Honestly, you're gonna agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not everybody does. Um, yeah. A lot of people are like Deathly Hollows has got to be the best or Goblet of Fire or uh, there's there's every now and then you hear the whole Order of the Phoenix or not Order of the Phoenix, uh, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, you hear, you hear those and uh, I'm like, whatever it is, I just, I really enjoyed the, the story book. in that one. I, I, yes, I think yes. I enjoyed the most. Yeah. I did not like the movie because I loved the book so much and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks, but I think that the movie here missed a lot more than what the first book did. Cause when you look at the first movie, what, what was missing like two or three scenes as they're getting from like, as they're following Quirrell in uh to to the the last room where the mirror of Erised is and then the death day party those are really the only things that are missing from the book to the movie where this one there's a lot more missing you're missing more of the the classroom interactions with snape you're missing some of the mcgonagall stuff you're you're missing a few pieces along the way um but i think it did well i just don't think it it grabbed the the true story and mikey you said it's been what 20 some years since you've read the books at least. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's been 15, 20 years easy. Um, and so, yeah, that, that makes sense that you're like, Oh, I don't remember this. Well, they took a little bit more liberties. Like what Alicia yeah. said last, last week. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think, I think they did really well with it. Um, I would say that this movie was, was a good step in the right direction. I think that that to go in and say, Hey, you went too hard on the, on the meat. I, I don't know if they could have pushed that any further back because the way that this was all written out, the way that the story had to go, I think it felt a little weird, but once you can get kind of past some of that weirdness, it, it fits right mm-hmm. in with like, I think there's a gap between one and two that could have been easier smoothed out. Um, had she taken a little bit more time with it, mm-hmm. but overall, I, I don't think that that was, uh, that was not the big issue that I had. Yeah. Well, and even like, it, you people always say the book is better than the movie and most of the time that is correct because you get so much more that you, you just can't translate well, the descriptions you're, you're yeah, not like the details. like we, we, we were talking about jurassic park uh for mm-hmm. the jurassic world episode that we did and as we were talking about this like i said hey have you read the book and i don't know if you had even know or knew that there was there a book wasn't. and i'm like and i'm like the the resort is nowhere near as good because like it's you're not it's like you're not getting the detail you're not understanding that hey there's like 10 six to 10 feet of like solid concrete and the the bar there's bars over the windows and there's like it's a more of a supermax prison than it is a resort area because they they were more prepared than what the the movie said yeah Um, but i think with harry potter you at least throughout the even though you can't translate all of the stuff that happened in the books to the movies you're at least getting enough so that the same tone is coming across so you're still getting the same story even though it's just told a little bit differently because you can't you can't you can't 100 translate from a book absolutely to, you can't, it wouldn't happen and here's the other issue i think that we run into when we see books to movies what you see in your head as you read the description is, is different. different than what i see and yeah. so you have one or one to 20 guys helping work on this movie who are all going in and saying okay we've got to do this giant basilisk 
Mm-hmm. And how do how do we draw this thing out? And then we got to digitally recreate this. Thing. Like, how, how do we do this? Because when this movie was coming out, Jim K wasn't releasing the illustrated editions yet. Mm-hmm. And so like, you don't even have his version yet. And so like, you have multiple different influences coming in and it's like, okay, well, Jordan and Micah might not see the same thing. Micah might want to add like even bigger teeth or like blood dripping from the, or like, he's got like, like different pieces to this snake that Jordan would not have added, but Jordan got the final say. Mm-hmm. Like I, you're just going to have multiple different people. And that's the beauty of storytelling is that you can say the same thing and everybody else is going to get their perception out of it. Their right. realities are going to start to create that. And so I, I think that it's, I think honestly though, it was done pretty well. I think this yeah. whole series for the most part was, was done well book to movie. There's a few parts when you get past the first four that, there's a little bit of discrepancy that I, I struggle with, but, yeah. um, and that just, it's minor details personally. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're, we're talking about Marvolo and, and Jenny and all that. Did you like the route that they took where instead of Voldemort coming back, he came back, but a little bit different where he's his past self who understands his future self, who is, kind of manipulating this girl and the way that they do it with the writing on the walls, the, the petrifying and all this, like, did you like the, the storytelling to that and bringing the villain the way they did? Cause I don't feel like we've seen villains played out in such a way prior to this film. Yeah. And I think you're right. Um, I, I think that they did a good job cause you're also, you're getting to know him a little bit better. Like, because with villains, you don't always get to know their full story. So exactly. You're I was going to say the, that. Yeah. They're, they're, you're starting to see the background and like, and we'll never get into the full detail. Cause I'm thinking like, it's been, it's been a while since I, since I read slash listened to the books. Um, but I'm thinking about some things that I remember from Voldemort, Tim, Tom Riddle throughout the books that I don't think the movies ever really got into just like his story. Like, his parentage, they didn't go into detail about all that. I don't think I could be wrong. It's also been a while since I've seen some of the movies. Barely touch it. So like, but you're getting to know at least enough about him to kind of see what, like what makes him tick. You see kind of his, you see his personality, you see his manipulation skills, you see kind of how he became Lord Voldemort. And I I appreciate that. And that was, that's a benefit of having like this longstanding villain that, you know, you're going to have these little people here and there, here and there, like, um, like Gilderoy, like he was just, had nothing to do with, with Voldemort, but he was just, he, he was, was a stumbling a, block. He, yeah, he was. He, he continually stumbled, like they stumbled over him with all their different problems throughout the school mm-hmm. year and they were not being able to be prepared for what the real villain was. Right. And I, I think that was, I think that's a genius way to write it is, you know, sometimes life happens and just to go in and say, Hey, this is what happened. And like where you could have been preparing had you Mm -hmm. known part of the bigger story. And that's part of the beauty is we know as the readers, there's something wrong happening. Yeah. And and they they're living it. So Micah, what, what did you think? About which part? You guys have been all over the place of this conversation. Like, it's, it's all good. How about, how about let's 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 ask this question. What did you think of Gilderoy Lockhart? Um, 
<laughs> Man, I don't know. I, I mean, I just watched this yesterday, so I guess you should think I was just, it'd be fresh on the brain. I, I just, it's without watching these movies multiple times, like you guys have, and without reading the books, it's hard to remember all the characters because there, there's so much into it. Um, yeah. Refresh my memory on. He's the defense against the dark arts teacher who wrote books that he didn't actually live. He he was yeah. really good with memory charms. Okay, goofy. If I had to describe it, goofy, just super goofy, um, awkward and goofy. <laughs> Alicia, so, and I watched, those are great descriptions. Yeah, Alicia and I watched um, Shit's Creek, and if you've not watched that, you probably need to. Um, uh, not with your son, of course, but. Uh, <laughs> There was a, a line that one of the main characters said a couple episodes that we watched uh, last week. And he was like, this whole thing was just awkward and cringy. That's pretty much what this reminds me of. <laughs> this character reminds me of. So l- let me ask this. Do you think that when they offered, like, it, let's put ourselves in, let's say this was a real world situation. If you were faking it, do you think that you would, because you're making millions off these books. I can almost guarantee it. Like, you're the pretty boy. You're you're making millions. Would you have accepted a position that would potentially show that you're fraud? Like for the defense against the dark arts teacher, do you think that that was realistic? He probably thought he could pull one over really easy on kids though. Yeah. he's He's already good at charms. So I think from his perspective, he thought, Oh, this is going to be, this can be cakewalk. Like I'll be able to fool them because they're kids really underestimating them. Personally, I wouldn't, but I'm also a terrible liar. So, well, so is he. <laughs> well, but he charmed. Yeah, he did charm. So, and, and and in more than one way, I think that his personality was charming. Oh yeah. And I I look at him and I look at Shrek when they do Shrek two and that Prince Charming. <laughs> like I feel mm-hmm. like that same character of kind of ditzy, same hair, but I know, yeah, same look. Like it just that that very very pretty boy kind of mm-hmm. that 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 pleasing to the eye kind of look that yeah. you're just like oh hey like okay you you are the definition of like male beauty mm-hmm. and to to go in and say I know charms I'm really really good at what I do but I also am really good at deceiving mm-hmm. and I feel like like when you look at like this comparison Prince Charming from Shrek too, like he was good at deception and he was good mm-hmm. at manipulation. And I think that a lot of that kind of, you see the same characters and I think they help draw on each other and you start to really see those characters uh, because I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. You, you, you have no. to find those characters from other places. And I think that those kinds of characters all drive from the same source. Yeah. And, obvi- and clearly he never did anything with kids because he should know that kids that are middle school age can see through lies really quickly. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, I they, mean, let's they, be real. And they call out the crap too. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. They and they show no mercy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what did you think of Gilderoy? Uh, I mean, I don't disagree with anything Mike has said. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's very, very flat. Like, I, I don't want to say idiot because he's not. He's he's a smart idiot, if you want to call it that. But I mean, he's definitely he's very charming. He he just really frustrated me because I'm like, dude, you're just lying so bad. And I, there's a lot of things I can't stand, but I can't stand a liar. I think the fact that like when, when he's doing, he lets the pixies out <laughs> and he's like, pixie, 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 and like 
Then they steal his wand and he runs. Yeah. I'm like, that right there would be enough grounds that I would assume they'd fire you for, yeah. for, for not teaching these kids and not handling it correctly. You didn't even stay in the room. Well, like, and you also, it also makes you wonder too, like, was he, cause Dumbledore, we haven't talked a lot about him, him yet, but like yeah. Dumbledore's no dummy. Like he knew exactly what he was doing through every step of this story. Like he knew, and if you've seen, um, seen the Fantastic Beast series, like he knows what he's doing. He's a very smart wizard. So for him to hire Gilderoy, like that kind of surprised me. So here's my question, because this, this is one of those things that I've thought about. Why do you think that he hired Gilderoy? Because he does know what he's doing. He's not some idiot. There's a purpose with everything that he does. Oh, from the Fantastic old. Beast movies, and I mean, even in even in Sorcerer's Stone, you mm-hmm. look at how he hid the stone. Like there is a method to the madness. Mm-hmm. Why do you think he hired Gilderoy then? If you had to just right here, right now, figure out or, or give it give an idea, why do you think that he hired Gilderoy Lockhart? You wanted the kids to see the charm, and the, the charm is deceptive. I don't like that's the only really thing that I can think of because he knew it's not like Gilderoy charmed him, charmed Dumbledore to get the position because again, Dumbledore Dumbledore's no dummy. Too smart. So my question is, do you think? that he is not just teaching them defense against magical creatures, but dark Mm -hmm. arts that come in the muggle world where there is no magic. There is no, but there is deception Mm -hmm. and that it's something that they started to see without him having to say it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that that's the true hero of Harry Potter is not Harry. It's Dumbledore. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So Micah, and Alicia, what did you guys think of Dumbledore? Because in in the third movie, we're going to see a, a, a cast replacement. What did you think of this character um, and how he was portrayed? Um, because we're going to see a very different take moving forward. Um, a lot more hands-on, a lot more um, aggressive version, I would say. I feel like this version was a very high as a kite, uh, very like chill dude who just very soft-spoken, very nurturing, where we're not going to see that side of Dumbledore moving forward um, in the same way, at least. So what did you think of of this portrayal? I think that, you know, like you said, Alicia, he, he wasn't, he's not a dummy, right? He's very, very smart. And I can almost, I think, again it's been years since i've read the books um and i haven't seen the third movie and uh, i look forward to watching it however it it kind of you know i feel like we're going to compare a lot of things to lord of the rings and the wizardry and all those things and oh yeah um but it's i feel like it's very much like the dumbledore of of the sorcerer stone and the chamber of secrets is very much gandalf the gray and then when we get to two towers and we see gandalf the white wizard yeah like that's what you're going to see in Dumbledore moving forward in the third movie. Um, but like I, what I appreciate about Dumbledore in the first two uh, Harry Potter movies is that he, he is very soft-spoken and he, he's very deliberate in his delivery um, yeah. of, of things that he wants to do. And he, he really, he appreciates Harry and he wants to look after Harry and he wants Harry, even though he may be hard on Harry at times. And yes, there are consequences for your actions. He also wants to walk alongside of Harry and mentor him and show him and, and really pour into him 
the right way where yes, there's consequences and, and Jordan, you're a dad and you're going to do this with your son. Like there's going to be moments in his life where, you know, he doesn't make the, the best of decisions. You're going to be like, Hey, this is, this is probably, there's a better way to do this. And so yeah. you walk alongside him, you mentor him, you love him and you show him the right way. Whereas, uh, you know, I think it was the same with, with Harry and, and Dumbledore. Like, I think he, he just, he took a, he took after him and he wanted them to learn from his mistakes and uh, teach him and make him the best wizard possible. Absolutely. Fair? Like in the first two movies, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree with that. And I, I think that too, you have to think that the whole wizard thing for Harry is still going to be very new, even after knowing that you're a wizard for a whole year. So I think that the Dumbledore, the Dumbledore that we've seen thus far is really just like, trying to really kind of ease him into that's what like the whole nurturing nudge him along yeah Yeah. like here this is what you need to do and i do have to say that like one of my favorite moments of the movie was when um harry and ron were in um hagrid's hut whatever i can't Mm -hmm. remember what it's called um under the cloak and dumbledore was like giving them clues and making eye contact with them through the cloak like he could see them well, and that's that's my thing. I don't know that he could, but I think he understood. He was aware that, enough. Yes, he was aware that they were there. I don't know that he, I think that was just a happy accident that he just happened to look yeah. at the right spot. Because he was aware that, enough to know that they were there. Yes, because the whole Deathly Hollows that we'll get right. into when we get into uh, into book seven. Right. I just, I don't know that he, he knew because I've heard people be like, oh, he, how did he see them? And I'm like, that's fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. I, it's the only true invisibility cloak. Like everything yeah. else is like cloaking. Yeah. But this one was a true invisibility. Right. So, and they, they make it very clear that this is a one of a kind, only one in history. Although in the movies, they don't talk about their, yeah, they don't any other ones. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, they, they don't really talk about that. But then when they hit the seventh movie, they do like a masking cloaking spell. And yeah. they, they they hit that point, but they have to stay quiet, right? Because um, they're like invisibility is not like hiding, <laughs> like it, like you still have to be quiet, like it's just a visual, not an audio piece, right? So, um, yeah, no, I just I think these are some some great characters, um, and I love I love that it continues to move forward. Um, you see Dumbledore continue to move forward with with him, um, with with Harry, and and not just Harry. I feel like he does it with all three of them. Um, mm-hmm. He's very intentional about Harry, but he's he starts setting the ground, especially when we hit the next book. Um, he sets the ground with Hermione as well. Um, yeah. and he, he knows and he really that st- that group as a, like as a trio that this is this is where our success is going to be is with yes, these. absolutely. He saw how special they were. Yeah, I think I think that he started to guide them without having to be the mentor. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, he started putting things in motion early on. Yeah. Um, and you start to look back at these books and these movies and you're just like, whoa, like I did like I have to go back and reread. It's kind of like with comics and all these movies like the MCU has been really good about this. They plant something and then they bring it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I love I love the way that they start doing that. Can um, I get your thoughts on another character? Tell me what you, you think want- about Moaning Myrtle. I. I've had a change of heart over the years. Um, I thought she was annoying. 
and I hated her when I first met her. And then book seven came out. And knowing the impact that she is still the same as she's ever been, because she has hid away, she's not matured, she's mm-hmm. not had that opportunity, and that from book two all the way to the end, she is still as naive and a little girl as she's always been, and mm-hmm. it breaks my heart. Yeah, and I have sympathy for her. I think I think Moaning Myrtle is a a very unique character. Um. Not my favorite of the side characters. I'll say that because we're going to hit him here in a second. He's my favorite. Um, but I think that she was a integral piece that is a, you don't think about very often. Yeah. Um, and I love that the way that she was portrayed in the movie and in the books, because she shows up a couple of different times in the books. Yeah. And, and part of me really wanted to see her come back in books or in the seventh movie. Um, just because they took a lot of liberties in the seventh and eighth movies, like right there, I would have loved to see her come back. But on the flip side, I know you can't yeah. because at that point she would have physically aged um, yeah. the actress. So yeah. what did, what did you, what are your thoughts on her? I'm like you, like, and initially she was annoying, but I grew to really kind of appreciate her. Like, because she's, she's also full of knowledge. Like she may, she may not give you the whole story, but you're going to get enough clues from her to be able to figure stuff out. Even and that's a junior hire for you. Yeah. That is the, we, we run 20 laps around the subject, mm-hmm. but you're catching enough clues to piece things together. Yeah. And her voice is always, it has always made me laugh. Like just how, how the voice was portrayed in the movie is very much how I imagined it in the book. Yeah. I, I agree there. Um, it was a little, I think a little higher um that that I that I imagined but I was not in junior high when I or I was I was maybe in junior high um when that happened so I was like listening to some of the girl voices around me as I read these books and whatnot and I was yeah. like oh okay and so I think it was a little bit higher but I I think she, she just the, the actress just knocked it out of the park because yeah. that's that's not an easy character when when you have to be the annoying <laughs> and, and the the really crappy kind of characters um those can be sometimes really hard to play because you're not not everybody's like that. Yeah. Um, you may, I, I bet she's probably a sweetheart and she's probably like, oh crap, I got to play this character. Or maybe she was <laughs> like, I was born to play this role. And just like, Those I don't are know. usually the best, right? Like if they didn't know they could do that and if that's not their personality and maybe they have the ability to do that, then sometimes mm-hmm. in those cases, they're usually the best person for that job. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And then sometimes they become that role, kind of like Robert Downey Jr. And it's like, you become your character. And like your life starts to model because you have to get so immersed in your character. So what you're saying is I am Iron Man. <laughs> Basically that's well, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. That's what um, I mean. So, so I've got one character that I really, really, really want to talk about. And I'm going to go ahead and give him a sock and free him for this subject. It's Davi. What are your guys' thoughts of Davi the house elf? So, Never seeing this movie, and I knew who he was from reading the book when I was younger. Um, at the beginning of the movie, I was annoyed to death with him. But at the end of the movie, I felt really, really bad for him. And we talked about, uh, you know, his master being such a great villain. Uh, when he hits him at the end of the movie and, you know, he's like, come on, let's go. And then Harry frees him. Like, it's one of the most powerful things. It's not saying it's, it's taking away from him being annoying, but... Yeah, feel for him. He's he's very sympathetic. So yes, 
Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed his character. Yeah, I appreciate Dobby. Like, and, and to be fair, all of the things that he was doing at the beginning, he was trying to keep Harry safe. Like, he he was yeah. doing what he thought he needed to to keep Harry away from Hogwarts because he felt like it was going to be detrimental for Harry if he if he ended up there for the school year. So he like he was just doing what he thought was best. And for being a house elf, like I mean he. I mean, yes, he was annoying. His voice kind of still kind of grates on my nerves a little bit, but it, like he had great intentions. I love that he got the sock at the end. Um, He's like Gollum without love... being Gollum. What's that? He's like Gollum without being Gollum. Eh. I uh, wouldn't go Gollum that far. Really kind of creeps me out. Can't go that far. I I have a such a soft spot in my heart for for Dobby. Yeah, I think I think Dobby. Well, what I mean though was like Gollum was was a tortured person as well oh yeah i mean the ring can suit him but it, it you know it's a whole different series and a whole different franchise but he was sympathetic is what i'm getting I, at. well and i'll say it this way i think that like when you look at characters like Gollum, they lost the light in their life they're so fixated on like that that's yeah. that kind of character dobby was i still have a hope yeah and that hope is harry potter because harry defeated he who must not be named and i know that he who must not be named is not dead yeah he was just defeated he was stopped in a moment but he's still out there and this is our one hope and i have to save this kid and it, it reflects the christianity story of you know our hope is jesus christ and i i love some of the parallelism to that and to, to know that dobby i think i may have related harder to dobby when I read that and, and, and like watched those movies, I think I related harder to him than I did Harry in that time frame. And I talked in last week's episode, how I relate to Harry. And I think that just the way she wrote him, I think as a junior high boy reading this for the first time and watching these for the first time, I think Dobby was my, my spirit guide. <laughs> as some people say, like my spirit animal. Um, I think Dobby just, he was doing the wrong things for the right reason. Yeah. And I think he was deeply misguided. And what kills me is and, and we'll talk about this in the later episode he's not just a one-off character like the movies don't do him justice no, i want they, that stated they, they do not even come close because as we were talking about uh goblet of fire and spew and um and talking about some of these different pieces that kind of to fall into the elements i think that dobby is this this wonderfully powerful character that shows up and it's like the it's kind of like when a character shows up on screen and everybody just like either gets super silent or they cheer. And he's my character in Harry Potter that I'm like, Dobby, yes, I love Dobby. <laughs> and like him dropping the cake on on them. Or he's like, Wonderful. I did, or Dobby did bad, Dobby did bad. Yeah. And like, he's like, like banging his head into things and he's like making this big ruckus. And I'm like, I feel so bad for him. But then he's like, Dobby's just trying to keep Harry Potter safe. And he, mm -hmm. he has to speak in third person. And he's and he's such a broken, anxious oh. person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, he's tortured. And to turn around and kind of be the unsung hero of that movie and that book. Like, I sit back, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, give me more Dobby. Like, if I, yeah. could, I, I, I think I'd rather have Dobby in my life than any of these other characters. Because I think Dobby just like, I feel like I could have an adventure with Dobby and, and I know I'll be safe because he's going to keep look out for my safety, Yeah. but I'm going to get a good few laughs then because I, I know that Dobby being a CGI character, like 
like uh, the the actors would not have seen him physically. Mm-hmm. But if they did, I don't think they would have been able to keep character. I think if you would have had Dobby actually there, like doing all the pieces, I, I they would have lost it. Yeah. So, so my last question as we kind of wrap this one up, do you think that this was the solid piece moving forward? And would you recommend someone to 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 watch this film? Or or read the book because Alicia, you and I, we've re- more more recently read it versus mm-hmm. Micah. Um, Micah, would you would you recommend this movie? Would you say, hey, definitely go watch it? Like, does it still stand twenty years later? You know, when we did Sorcerer's Stone, I I, I said absolutely one hundred percent yes because of how well it was filmed. Um, when we started this episode, um, I felt more because of the the story that was told and everything that was in place, the elements are in place, that The Chamber of Secrets is a better movie in that regard. However, I think, yes, I would recommend it because you have to watch this one because you're watching the other ones, right? So, I mean, like, um, yeah, I I would say yes. Um, and, I, and I think, and I don't know, maybe you guys could answer this without, you know, you can't, you won't spoil it or anything, but like, do the movies get better? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like- 100%. Well, so so my point being, like we talked in in, in the Sorcerer's Stone episode about like being that being like a pilot because it was the first of its kind, it was first of the franchise, first of the the movies. So they had to knock it out of the park, but it was also like the first time we'd seen these characters come to life outside of the book and the books. I'm sorry, the books. And um, yeah, so I think it was. I think it's necessary to watch all of them. So uh, the story is only going to get better, and it's going to it's going to really pick up from from here. Yeah, I agree. And I like the series as a whole, I've always recommended, like I said, that I've been trying to get, I've been trying to encourage Micah to watch them. And just because and I think I his hand. <laughs> and it just, it, it tells such a, such a great story. And I feel like it's relatable because the characters are like, they're just nerdy kids. Like, and everybody has been a nerdy kid at some point in their life. But the books, like I, I know that a lot of people say this and it's true in a lot of cases that the book is better than the movie. I just think that the books have so much more detail and I didn't actually physically read them. Like I did audiobook on all of them. Um, and I got through them pretty quickly just because they're so good. Like you didn't want to, you didn't want to stop listening to them. And I did it. With as the soon original, as like, the one drops, you're like, I want to listen to the next one. I've got to yes. listen to the next chapter. Like, it, whether you're busy or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like in, in the app that I use to listen to audiobooks, they have a wait list. And so like when I was getting about halfway through the, the, the one book, I would go ahead and put myself on the wait list for the next one because I didn't want to wait once I was done. Like I wanted to just oh, yeah. jump from one to the other, but they're just, and I do recommend the original, the original voice actor that that read the books it was phenomenal um oh yeah but i i i definitely would recommend i I think it's it has to be age appropriate like you probably don't want to watch these movies with like a four or five year old like you give them a couple of years before they can you can really get into it. i would definitely recommend them i would argue to the point that i think fifth sixth grade would be a great starting point because that's that's where these kids are in their story so if you said hey like you start at sixth grade, there's seven years at Hogwarts. Well, mm-hmm. that's six, seven, eight. So that's three. And then nine, 10, 11, 12, that's four. So seven in total. That's, that's your junior high, high school experience. Yeah. And I, I think that that's the way that you sell that. And you say, Hey, you know, don't, don't just say no for no sake. Just say, right. Hey, 
let's wait until you're a little older and then that way you can experience it better. Yep. So which if is there's funny. any parents out there, definitely wait for that. That's my encouragement. Which yeah. is funny because our niece Camille came up to me at Christmas this last year and she wanted the books and she thought that, uh, our nephew Baker. So Alicia's brother uh, has three kids, Camille, Baker and Paul and Baker and Camille both wanted the owl from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Like it was That's a very, like, yeah, yeah, it was a yeah. very popular Christmas present last year. And so one of the kids got it and Camille, I think it was Baker that got it. And Camille was like devastated that she didn't get it. And so uh, be, me being the sap that I am, the uncle of the year that I am, uh, she asked. Amazon. If, <laughs> well, no, no, no. She asked if she, she wanted the books too. And yeah. so she asked me, she's like, Uncle Mike, can I have the books? So I, as soon as we got home from Christmas, I got on Amazon and I bought them. We the bought them for him for Valentine's Day. So that's awesome. They have all they have all the books. And um And she's she she's eight. So I think she's rich. Uh, I don't think that's a bad age though. No. That's where they're that's where they love to read as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that, that's like right at that third, fourth grade level, right? Is that yeah. where okay. Yeah, no, and I, I say fifth just so that way they're more close to the age. But honestly, that's the age range where they're really wanting to read, and so I that mm-hmm. I would encourage that. Yeah, even if um, she reads like the first, second, or third, fourth, you know, maybe she's only reading the first or second book, or maybe the first. Yeah, second she's book. nine. She's not yeah. eight. She's a she's nine. So, so this is the last thing as as we close. Um, my my personal piece is I actually got rid of my books. Um, I sold I sold all my books. Uh, a few years back and when Katie and I got married was the year that Jim K um, he's an illustrator. He partnered with JK Rowling and they are starting to re-release the series with illustrated editions. And so every year or every other year now they're re-releasing a book. So this year, this fall um, order the Phoenix drops. So I think it drops next month uh, or or later this month. Um, And so as as I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And so I've got them so that way when Oliver's older and any future kids that I've got or, or that that, <clears throat> that will come, um, the idea is that I can sit down and read the book to them. And that way they get time with dad and they get a book, but we can hit a chapter before bed and they get to see the images on there. Mm-hmm. And they're not super scary. Like they're, they're not really like some of them look weird. And like, especially with uh, the, the further you get in the series, because there are a few spots where in the series, it kind of does get a little, a little bit more daunting and scary. Um, and, and Alicia, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and so you, you see those moments, but it's really cool to see how kids are just getting excited about this. And it's, it's a sweet story, like mm-hmm. just the way that they handle it and the, the whole good versus evil and how it's handled. And I, it, it's a classic um, it is a modern classic and I, I just, I absolutely love this series and I'm so grateful that we get to get into this. So with that, we're going to go ahead and close on out, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of this. If you want to be on one of these episodes, let us know. We would love to get you guys involved. You can email us at nerd talk with Jordan Halstead at gmail.com. Uh, we're just having a lot of fun. We will probably hit even more books and things like that, movie series that that get in there. We love doing this kind of stuff, but I just definitely wanted to hit this series as we came in for the Halloween season because this is the the magical time of year where we just get to have fun and uh, dress up and some of our favorite characters. And I just I thought this would be a great way to handle uh, this year. So again, thank you guys for for being on here, and we will catch you guys next time on Nerd Talk.